नमस्ते ऑनरेबल डेप्टी हाई कमिश्नर सर ऑल फ्रेंड्स चिल्ड्रेन ऑफ द मदर इट्स एन ऑनर एंड जॉय टू स्पीक ऑन शोर विंदो एनी टाइम एनी वेयर बट इवन मोर स्पेशली सो ऑन ए टाइम वेन वी आर विटनेसिंग ए ट्रांजिशन इफ यू लुक बैक अ हंड्रेड इयर्स बैक वी कैन क्लियरली सी एंड नन कैन डिनाई दैट इट वॉज ए सेंचुरी ऑफ ग्रेट ट्रांजिशन इनफैक्ट वी कैन ऑलमोस्ट लुक एट दी प्रीवियस सेंचुरी इन टू पर्टिकुलर वेज द फर्स्ट हाफ एंड द सेकेंड हाफ and in the first half we can see a transition from uh, we can see a great upheaval we can see two great wars we can see revolutionary movement at its peak as if all over the world there was the uh, upheaval created by uh, in our indian thought it is said that balaram is the elder brother of uh, you know shri krishna and balaram is the haldar so this upheaval we can understand in terms of the great uh, ploughing which uh, which has taken place in the indian soil in the world soil and then comes shri krishna who does the great sowing of beautiful things so we can see in the first half of the century on the one side great upheavals which led to a lot of changes led to a lot of uh, it was a very turbulent time actually when we think of today's time as being sometime people say ki you know kaliyuga gaya and things are bad we should just look back 100 years back and we shall wonder in fact we are living in far 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 better times today than yesterday because the world has undergone a transition but on the other hand when we look at the second half of the century we can see that certain seeds were sown in the first half and they have started bearing fruits and no doubt it's still a long way to go but still the seeds have been sown and they have been watered by the divine love by the divine grace and our we all have a role in this whole process and we'll come to that but let's have a look at what are the seeds that were sown during the first half of the century when all this turmoil was going on you see pehle pehle we have to plough the land and then only we can you know uh put the seed so when we look at the first half of the century during the time of great crisis turbulence and all the upheavals we can see that just like during the war of kurukshetra there is one figure who looms large on the not just the indian horizon but on the world horizon who is doing the great sowings just like shri krishna sitting on the battlefield doing nothing and yet doing everything but sheer window we know that he plunged into the revolutionary battle field and when he was sure that the lines along which india will arrive at complete freedom very few people are probably aware that he is one of the first persons in fact the first person if we go through the writings of bande matram who spoke about poorn swaraj he along with uh, lokmanya tilak and uh, bipin chandrapal when they spoke about poorn swaraj demanding a complete freedom Uh, he is the first person but shurubindu swaraj had two elements in it so one was swaraj just as a nation that we become independent but shurubindu swaraj also had another aspect and that is swaraj that india must first discover her own soul right now 
by the time we see in the previous century, India had forgotten about her own soul. It, it's like in a state of tamas and there were yogi mystics. India is a marvelous land in that sense. Everything else we can find everywhere but when uh, we have to touch our own souls then there is no place like India. Simply because this land has been nourished and nurtured by countless seers and sages. If we look into the formation of India, it's very interesting. India was not created right away as a geographical entity. It started by search for the soul. And I feel so proud that whose blood flows into our veins, the veins of those rishis who 10,000 years back were singing songs like Tamso ma jyotir gamya, asado ma jyotir sad gamya, tamso ma jyotir gamya, mrityur ma amritam gamya. This was the aspiration, this seeking, this search characterizes India. So the beauty of India is that there is in throughout the history of India, if we look right from its inception, from the Vedic and even the pre-Vedic age, because the Vedas speak about the forefathers, we see what connects India and Indianness, Bharatiyata, as beautifully Rakeji has put, all over the world is this connection, deep running stream of a spiritual seeking. In fact, uh, as we know that, you know, you are mentioning about all the writings of Shirobindo, most of them were written during 1914 to 1920. And they came out in a journal which was called as Arya. It was a 64-page monthly journal. And uh, Shirobindo single-handedly would write it um, for six years. In fact, 2020 is the year when, 1920 is the year, so it's 100 years when Arya actually stopped functioning another year, 1921, and it stopped functioning. But it had done its work. So if we go through that journal, which now are available as collected work, Shurabindu had named it as Arya. Now when Shurabindu was asked by somebody, who is an Arya? Is is it a race? Is it some kind of a uh, sense of superiority? And Shurabindu makes it very clear that the Arya has nothing to do with just a physical type. The Arya is a psychological type of humanity which is always striving towards greater fields of perfection. It is not satisfied within the little narrow frame in which we find ourselves trapped and imprisoned. We are of course humans, but the beauty is we are meant to go beyond humanity. And that is a great message that Sri brings in times when uh, we are only debating about the fate of humanity, fate of the world. Sri says that human beings themselves, we are meant to transcend, take the next step. Beyond human, just as from the ape we have transited to man, there is something new which is going to come. And the Aryan is one who is laboring towards that great leap. So the Swaraj that he spoke about, the first Swaraj that we all must win is an inner Swaraj. Which means that our own nature, our thoughts, our hearts, our feelings, our will, our very body must be brought under the direct influence of the soul. It's not enough that we lead our life in any which way, vagabond way, and we call ourselves, well, we are by birth Bhartiya, but the true sign of Bhartiyata is this. When in 1932, Nirod Baran asked Sri Sir, you have been working for India's freedom. Now, I'm sure even now you must be working because we know that, you know, within five years or eight years, he had done what he had to do and 1910, he moved on to greater fields, uh, which is to Pondicherry for his still greater work. So 1932, when his disciple asked him, Sri says, regarding the freedom of India, all that is already settled. It's something already done. Now I am 
working on what India will do with the freedom and then he mentions uh, Bolshevism, Gunda Raj, things look ominous. Now, Shurabindu was seeing much, much, much farther. So when he speaks about Akhand Bharat, he is seeing a reality which is to start with, it's a reality of the base and it's a reality towards the future. And this Akhand Bharat is not just a physical dominion. It's not like, um, you know, and the mother speak up, she speaks about it uh, with great clarity. That it's about the different portions of India which have been dismembered because of successive invasions, etc. They come together once again, maybe in the form of a confederation. And once again, there is the great march of mankind, once again, not just outwardly, but in our hearts, that Vedic fire, that Vedic Agni begins to burn, burn bright, kindles, carrying us further and further to great heights. Not just a horizontal progress in the same fields, but a vertical ascension of human consciousness beyond the mere human to the divine. So this is the whole dream. And India has to play a central role. If we look at the entire, the way, you know, if we just do a fast forward and take a look at how this earth has come into being. So we will see that, you know, there are first one panjaria, one single mass of land, then two, then they move and shift. And if you look at that whole image, it is so clear that India is the one which drifts from one to the other and joins them, wherein it becomes the heart of the civilization. Actually, if you look at the whole image, it's so wonderful. So India, what is the role of India? India is the one which has to show to the world what really it means to live a life divinely. We all know how to live it uh, intellectually. We are all learned people, um, very well educated in all the you know great universities. We are all literate. Uh, uh, then we are all uh, you know people who have uh, succeeded in life, achieved so much. But there is something which is missing, and it is that touch which India brings. And that is the touch of the soul. So this is the role of India. So when Sri spoke about India's greatness, India's resurgence, he was not just thinking of one country. He was thinking of the civilization which is on the verge of being plunged into darkness. Now imagine, you know, just before, just around the time when Sri is rising to the horizon, 1900, we can see that what was the world like? Uh, I mean, if I look back personally, I wonder, can I call it a civilized world? <laughs> if I look all around, there is nothing but oppression, there is nothing but, you know, even in science, there is nothing but materialism, world is nothing but matter. Or we see religious superstition, or we see all kinds of attitude of men towards women, of, you know, uh, education, which is nothing else but, you know, to create the same type of uh, you know, run-of-the-mill kind of uh, humanity. So if we look at the world in 1900, 1910, 1920, uh, it is a horrifying picture. Anybody who could project during that time and what with the world was, Spanish flew around and all other uh, kinds of evils, one would have thought that this world is sinking into oblivion. But there was one person, it's so amazing that in 1914 when the second, First World War starts, when everybody is busy with the war and the dark night, Shurabindu through the pages of the Arya is revealing to us the next future, like the dawn. And this goes on till 1920, 1921. And 
during that time, Savitri also started 1916, as uh, Rakesh ji mentioned, the longest uh, epic poem in English with nearly 24,000 lines. It is the longest epic poem in English. So, you know, it's a matter of being uh, very proud and it's next to the Mahabharata, if you look at it. Uh, I mean, Mahabharata with roughly about 1 lakh uh, lines. So, it's, uh, of course, a matter of pride. But pride apart, the beauty of, uh, you know, what Shurabindo's thought is that he is always advancing towards the future. Even when Shurabindo looks back at the past realizations of the Vedic seers, we see S's on the Gita, we see the secret of the Vedas, the Upanishads, basically he is picking them up to say, now we have to go forward. There is something which is there in those aspirations which still moves us to the depth. But do we stop with these aspirations? No, we go forward. So we are the children of the future. We draw our breath from the past and we move towards the future. And this is something very beautiful about Shervindo. As the mother has said, Shervindo is the luminous uh, future who is advancing towards its own realization. So he draws that from history and takes us to a yet more luminous future. So what that luminous future is, we find very interestingly, Shurabindo in 1947, 15th August, when India is free, uh, Shurabindo obviously gave a message to the nation. And in that message, he speaks about five dreams. Some of us may have read about those dreams. And in these five dreams, we see the first dream Shurabindo speaks of is a free and united India. And then he says that India is free, but not yet united. Now, it's very interesting if you look at symbolically two aspects of the Indian independence. The first is 15th August date, which is of course the date of Sherbindo, and when uh, Lord Mount Pendleton was asked why he chose 15th August. So he says, well, it came as a bolt from the blue. Then he says that, well, it was the second anniversary of the day when the Japanese had surrendered in Burma to the elite forces. So it was there in his mind. Now, he didn't know, 30th June, the whole thing was there that, well, India can get independence. And anywhere before September, it could have been any date. But look at Providence, that it turned out to be 15th August, and suddenly this flashes into his mind, bolt from the blue, and he chooses. And Shurabindo says that this gift of independence, which has been given to me on my own birthday, is one more sign that Providence has put, put its seal on all the great movements for which I have labored and worked. So this was one aspect. But the symbol is very interesting that if you look back, see, a fractured India. But in that fractured India, I mean, India before the partition was an undivided India in many ways. Though we had provinces, kingdoms, etc., that's one part of it. But still there was a larger sense of cultural unity. As I said, the rishis start from the soul, then a larger culture. And then, of course, invasions, the, the whole original file got, uh, you know, disturbed and then the the subsequent partition but look at 15th august which is the choice is what is moving forward and the other aspect is in the indian flag now when this flag was shown to the mother she went into a deep trance and she says uh, well this flag is partitioned it's not a good thing it should have been one single unit and she foresaw a lot of problem at that very point. And yet if we look at this flag, it's very interesting that we have the joining circle, the, the joining strip is white. White, though we speak of peace, but white is a sign of spiritual consciousness and it is spiritual consciousness and a spiritual evolution and a spiritual ascension which alone can join the two parted spheres, the orange and the green. 
so as india awakens to its own spiritual depths its own spiritual heights and the world awakens with india so india's big relevance is not just about science technology economy which is all right which you know which, which is a very good thing but science technology and um, economic development without a commensurate spiritual development can be disastrous to the world and we know this from the stories of atlantis we know this from the uh, from our own ramayana that you know lanka is a highly developed uh, outwardly civilization but you know uh, inwardly it is pauperized because the psychic and uh, energies of love are diminished so one the, this is one part of development but the more important development for which india rises is the spiritual and psychic development because that key is with india in other words to really lead the world out of the morass out of the challenges and if we really look at india from that perspective we see its enormous complexity its enormous difficulties someone has once asked me that well india is a land of great seers so why is it uh, into such a mess so uh, the spontaneous answer was uh, which which i hold is that who is given the most challenging puzzle is it a child of nursery kindergarten or is it a child in psd so it is true but all the mess of the world all the potpourri all the kichdi all the uh, all the difficulties have been given here so that india can resolve them and what is the solution solution is not just outer india has that key it has applied it in the past and it has to yet apply it in the future and that key is to release the psychic and spiritual energies which have been enslaved there was a double enslavement of india one was material which is one part of it but more importantly that we began to feel that we are enslaved within so we lost our own deeper sense of connectedness and that is what we have to awaken this is the meaning of swaraj and india rises for the good of the world so we have to solve the same problems which have vexed humanity but from a deeper angle and from a higher point of vision so india's rise first thing shurbindo said that india has to show to the world the way to solve the problems that have vexed humanity not just a simple singular solution but a more global more uh, Uh, a holistic solution which we see actually taking place um, you know the world over last few years more especially more so but this is what uh, is the gift of india to the world now when shrubindu was asked how will this unity come about he gave very clear answers and one aspect was that we have to engage in common action and we have to engage in the common origin so this is what we need to emphasize instead of emphasizing on the differences which are many but differences are always outward we know that in a family uh, five children and children fight but can they deny their mother if we look back in shubindu's at shubindu's writings bangla writings and later writings he said that the vision of mother india ma bharati she is our mother we may have different we may be in different lands so beautifully it has been said that we may be you know in in us uk australia anywhere for that matter but our mother is one ma bharati and if this common sentiment can awaken in all of us that we are children of mother india not mother india not mother of one section of humanity not mother of one section of uh, one language speaking people not mother of one state not mother of one denomination of people but mother india ma bharati so that's why shobindo spoke of vande mataram is a mantra 
because in this we are bowing to the mother she is one indivisible we may have different beliefs doesn't matter we may have different approaches but what is important right now is to emphasize the fact that we belong to the one mother and the more this common sentiment spreads across the globe and of course uh, within india we will see that there is a unity which will come about the mother actually spoke of the practical aspects how this will come about and she says that there will be a lot of upheavals she had said this um, pre bangladesh she spoke about it uh, you know now we can see that different parts of india is beginning to come together she said there will be some more splits but later on all these parts will come together and join in a common confederation so this is the way she has foreseen the unity and uh, if we watch the world movements closely we will see it is moving in that direction the second dream that shirobindo spoke about was the rise of asia because india doesn't rise only for itself in his uttarpada speech on sanatan dharma he says that india is not rising only for itself we we are nationalistic but not the aggressive imperialistic nationalism which is a nationalism of the titanic kind we are nationalist but the nationalism of the devic kind where we rise to discover our own soul but we respect the soul of all the nations and all nation each nation has its own soul and they must come together in a common vishwa yagna so this world we can look upon as a yagvedi on the altar of it each nation comes and brings its best and what india come brings is i mean india is the priest of the sacrifice because it brings the psychic and spiritual energy and when as a result of this vishwa yagna everybody receives as prasadam at the end i mean now the yagna is going on and we have to give ahuti in this so we have to give this um, ahuti in this world stage and in that process asia rises is the second dream of shorbindo which also we see very much happening and the third dream is asia also doesn't rise only for asia but asia rises for the world and we see this third dream is world unity now it is very interesting that this idea of world unity is catching up the mind of the race and this is the great sowing he has done now it is taking you know the mind of the race and even if we see the way the internet is connecting people lives are getting joined right now this is an example a very practical example of world unity that shorbindo has uh, you know um, the idea which he has set forth into the world and the fourth dream he speaks about is that india's spiritual gift to the world and which also we see it has begun in many ways this gift is not only in terms of information technology but in, most importantly india's spiritual gift to the world and finally the last part of the dream is that he saw that mankind is destined to evolve further beyond man to what he called as the superhumanity of the future and that's a very detailed vivid uh, description the path of integral yoga and the journey and those who feel called and those who feel drawn can read it it's all over there in in shorbindo and the mother's writings and it's a beautiful journey a tremendous journey because if we remain human which means basically we remain ego centered desire driven uh, you know our basic software is the mental ignorance then with all our goodwill all the wonderful things we may speak about will the civilization will always be prone to what is called in india as pralaya but if we go beyond the ego driven 
half animal half human we are to a divinely driven driven by the divine shakti no more by the desired self driven no more centered around the ego but around the divine self within us but not withdrawn into nirvana and moksha but active in the world engaged in the world wherever we are whatever we may be doing and if our mind of ignorance is replaced by a mind of light of which he spoke about the one of the action of the supramental light will be to create a mind of light in humanity which will no more move from ignorance to light but from light to greater light then we will see humanity cross over a perilous bridge and the future of the world will be secured let me close with this that um, you know the world has seen many pralayas but this is not what we want now we want the civilization to progress and to progress to the next level when will it be how will it be now that is something which shobindo has uh, mentioned in several places but let me read a few lines from savitri to to close um, uh, to close this little sharing and these lines are from savitri uh book 1 canto 4 the secret knowledge and it's on page 55 those who may like to later on refer and um, right now we see darkness uh, we are you know but in darkness somebody can see the seed of a new dawn so this is what shurbindo has prophesied and seen about the world and we all have a role to play in this and uh, the lines go like this thus will the mast transcendent mount his throne master and center is the divine within us but he is he is master we don't know we we know there is god but we have to its idea is not sufficient belief is not sufficient we must be real yogins who realize in a, in our life we must awaken once again the the spirit of shri krishna of bhishma of countless sages and seers they were not content with believing they went ahead and realized so thus will the mass transcendent mount his throne when darkness deepens strangling the earth's breast and man's corporeal mind is the only lamp as a thief's in the night shall be the covert tread of one who steps unseen into his house a voice ill heard shall speak the soul obey a power into minds in a chamber steel a charm and sweetness open life's closed doors and beauty conquer the resisting world so the world will resist it will not easily give in but what we have to do is we all carry that little resistance within us and we have to allow this divine conquest within us this is the divine victory towards which we must move and this ends up very beautifully this passage in fact he has spoken of uh, what this future will be like um the truth light capture nature by surprise a stealth of god compel the heart to bliss and earth grow unexpectedly divine in matter shall be lit the spirit's glow in body and body kindle the sacred birth night shall awake to the anthem of the stars our will a force of the eternal's power the days become a happy pilgrim march our will a force of the eternal's power and thought the rays of a spiritual sun if you shall see what none yet understands god shall grow up while the wise men talk and sleep for man shall not know the coming till its hour and belief shall be not 
till the work is done. So this is a big project that Shurabindu has uh, not just left for us. He's helping us, guiding us constantly. It's a divine project, maybe over the next thousand years. And it's a wonderful project to be associated with. It's not uh, a mission or a, you know, um, a belief or, or just a place of gathering. But it's a project where humanity is going to take its leap. And uh, this leap is going to secure the future for mankind and for earth. Minus that leap, we may have everything for the moment. But again, there will be a tendency to collapse. Because as long as man remains what he is, it is the future cannot be secure. So let us join. The, let me close with this wonderful message of the mother. She spoke about the future of the earth depends upon a change of consciousness. And the change is bound to come. But... And here comes this important uh, proviso. But it is left to men to decide whether they will collaborate with the change. Or the change is thrust upon them by the power of crashing circumstances. So friends, brothers and sisters, the future is definitely beautiful. It has been secured by Mother and Shurabindo for us. But we can make a choice whether we have to go through the power of crashing circumstances or we happily, joyously collaborate by, by bringing in a greater aspiration, a newer thought, a greater and wider idea into the ken of our life and lead our life, not just only for ourselves, but for India, for the world and for the divine. Thank you so much. Namaste. Vande Matram. Jai Ma.